Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning I have the great privilege of introducing uh, a friend of mine that you've never heard of probably before, which is no offence. You know, I've got a few secret friends stashed up my sleeve. Uh, Paul uh, Tothill and I, uh, Paul and Tracy and myself and Jay, have known each other really for about 20 years. We have a common church history. I mean, we've been down here for coming up 20 years now, but we have a, a common history together in the church we're from in Adelaide. Uh, for the last 15 years, uh, Paul uh, has been leading a church called Gateway International Church in the northern suburbs, up in the Salisbury uh, type of area. Recently uh, planted out from there, is in the process right now of starting a new church, uh, sort of doing a soft start for a church called Freedom House, and uh, they are meeting on Sunday afternoons, so after the end of the service today if you see him skedaddle that's why he's got to get up to the uh up to the city for a, a 2 p.m service and uh ebony and i had the pleasure of visiting their uh new church plant uh, just a couple of weeks ago and they'll be doing a, a proper launch next year so before if they in, just in case they go to sunday morning services i thought i'd better nick paul now why i can get him but the interesting thing is although we've known each other for over a decade um, we only ever heard each other preach for the very first time two years ago in South Africa, uh, when we South Africa, when we happened to be there in Durban together, uh, invited by two different friends. We were together, and so our two different friends did a joint event, and uh, we just happened to speak at that event to a group of leaders under a tent uh, for the very first time. We got to hear one another, and I thought we both thought to each other, mm, maybe we should have tapped into one another in all these 15 years. So, um, so uh, I had the privilege of being with Paul's church uh, last year. And uh, it's a great honour to have you here today, mate. Every now and again, our church uh, hears me say, I spoke to my pastor barrister mate this week to get some legal advice. Nothing dodgy, don't worry, just every now and again, you know, you need, you need legal advice. Well, this is him, all right? This is Paul. He's a father of four adult children. He's a grandfather of six, seven as of a few weeks ago, children. He's the husband of 35 years. He is a barrister with a legal... 35 women, yeah, almost, almost there, eh? He's a husband of 35. <laughs> Mute. Uh, and, uh, but he's also a barrister, has a law firm, and is planning a church. Would you please put your hands together for Paul Tothill. Come up, mate. And um, you go for it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is there's a camera up there with some folk at home if you want to talk to them. Um, and otherwise, please be you, man. We're really pleased much. to have you here. Thank you. Wonderful privilege to be here and welcome to everyone at home. Um, I, I felt that I needed to come with a special book. Um, has everyone got a copy of this book? Please put your hand up if you do not have a copy. Right, you need to see Chad after the service uh, and get a copy. No, I'm, I'm being deadly serious. Um, I've known Chad for a long time, as he has said, and it's a bit of a shame, really. We live in Adelaide, and really, Encounter Bay is not that far away from the northern suburbs. Uh, but we had to actually meet and, and have a good chat and know each other in Durban, South Africa. And um, when I 
when I heard Chad unpack the meta-narrative of redemption, meta-narrative is a big word, it's a lawyer word, I'll use lots of them this morning. Meta-narrative is the overarching story uh, of the Bible. I was just blown away the way he weaved the threads of scripture together. And uh, I, I just want to say that I think you're incredibly blessed with the quality uh, of teaching that you, you get here. And uh, this, this book, um, I had the privilege of uh, offering some thoughts um, to Chad on the way through. And his humility in even hearing anything that I said is profound. But the way he has crafted this, it is so accessible. And I'm emphasising it a little bit, not because I want his sales to go up, but I want your revelation knowledge to go up. One of the greatest things we're battling with now in the church worldwide, and I've had the privilege of over the last 15 years travelling extensively throughout different nations, including Russia and so on and so forth, but the word of God is under attack. Did you know that? In, in a postmodern society, the world we're living in right now, and I love what Brooke said this morning, and, and I really thought, well, I might as well sit down. Brooke said it all for me this morning. But it was a wonderful confirmation for me because right now the body of Christ needs to be equipped with understanding God's truth from his perspective. And I, and I say that deliberately, God's truth from his perspective. Because what happens over many generations is the word of God tends to be distorted and it comes out from its moorings and its true foundations. And so the Bible is this unique ancient text that's not written to us, but it's written for us. And what I've been on a journey of doing over the last 15 years is trying to plug into understanding the scripture in context so that I can then apply it rightly to my life. And this is really important in this hour. And I'm, I'm going to talk to you this morning about the power of the gospel. But it's, it's, it's really important that the gospel is not something we know about. It's something we live. It is the empowering grace of God. So we have, and you wouldn't all know this, so I'm just refreshing your memory because I'm sure you've had this teaching. There's a grace in salvation that you can never earn. And that's often where we stop. But there's a grace in empowerment for you to live out your union with Christ into a dark world. And so whilst we're justified as though we've never sinned, we live in a dark fallen world according to Ephesians 2. And that means in living in a dark fallen world, we're going to have to encounter a few things that are going on around us. And the media at the moment is filled with information that's unhelpful for your faith. In fact, fear is a faith killer. But faith is built from the present word of God. And I want to take you on a journey this morning through my own life, through my own experience. Because uh, just because you lead a church and just because you go to court and represent people doesn't mean that things don't happen in your life. We don't live in a spiritual vacuum and we don't live in a holy huddle. We are God's representatives, filled with Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live into a world that needs to see Jesus now more than ever before. I'm in the right place? So 
if, if we're going to reveal Jesus, we need to know Jesus through the power of his word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've been around enough to see there's this dichotomy, this separation between word and spirit. You cannot cut God in half. If you understand the Trinity, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the, and the greatest sin is not against the Father or the Son, but the Holy Spirit. It means the Father and the Son honour the silent one you don't see, but blows everywhere and empowers you. Are you there this morning? So the Holy Spirit is not the optional extra like air conditioning in your car if you're living in the 60s. So air conditioning these days is normal. Am I in the right place? Hello, you there? You, so when you get in your car and your air conditioning's going, it's driven by a motor. That motor is the engine source by which all of you are living. See, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Oh, I'm starting to preach now. Oh, it's been a while. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you see, you're filled with God and you're anointed by God. That means God has put you on like a glove. You haven't entered into a salvation where one day you're waiting to go to heaven. You are bringing heaven to earth now through the empowered presence of God dwelling in you. You see, this becomes important because I'm going to tell you a story about Peter getting out of a boat and walking on water. Does everyone know that story in the Gospel of Mark? And it's an amazing story, but what I'm going to show you this morning is he only did it in the presence of God, not being filled with God. And if Peter could have bold faith and courageous faith, in the middle of a storm from the present word of God under an inferior covenant, how much more should you and I become powerful by the present word of God in the storm right now? See, I'm going to stretch you a little bit this morning because God's had to stretch me. Every time God shifts me into a new phase, I have to let go of the old. I have to let go of a foundation of thinking that is the limitation to my increase. I have to let go of the limitation of my thinking so that he can bring me in to increase. Because God speaks the present word into my present. He brings the future word into my present. God is always speaking future present to every one of us. He's ahead of the game. I wonder what God's thinking. Now, he's, he's already seen the beginning from the end. He's re Let me explain it to you this way. He's reversed engineering your life. He's reversed engineering your life. What does that mean? In heaven right now, God sees the finished and the beginning all as one. As one. There's nothing in God's mindset that says, oh, I wonder if Bayside will get there. Everything he's doing is working from that which is already fulfilled, reverse engineering it and giving you a present word so you work it out, empowered by his power 
so that you overcome and grow and become Jesus to the world. You see, I sat there before, I just felt the Lord on me like I do now. I get all teary, I'm like that. But the Lord said to me, this is, this is a place of prophetic significance to my heart for this nation. This is called prophecy. He said, this is an encounter bay. And they had sail ships. He spoke about windmills. Let me tell you, it's time to put your sail up so that you can catch the breeze of the Holy Spirit. Because he's going to cause this place to be a seedbed of encounters of his presence. That will do more than you can ever understand. You see, you keep looking in the natural. Jesus doesn't see things from the natural. He sees things from an eternal perspective into the natural. And his thoughts are bigger than our thoughts and his ways higher than our ways. And when he speaks into the present, he has an intention and he has a purpose to establish it. He's just looking for a people that will listen. He's just looking for a people that will respond. You see, the fear of the world will keep you out of your destiny but the reverential fear of God will bring you into it. There's only one fear we should carry as those who are born again of the Spirit, and that is the reverential awe of our God that when he speaks, he speaks from the eternal realm that has no limitation into the place of limitation so that by his grace empowerment, you'll step into something you thought was impossible. You see, that happened to me. Last year, I spoke about Storms, the storms of life. There are different storms we have in life. And I spoke about those storms in such a way that I felt it was prophetic. We were in a COVID season. We're in the season of limitation. I've been traveling and preaching and now I'm at home. And, and I don't know, when, when you've had a certain amount of freedom and flow, then all of a sudden there's a congestion. Guess what? You feel a little funky. Has anyone felt a little funky over the last 12, 18 months? Has anyone felt that things have been stretched a little bit? That maybe you're in a storm. Maybe there's a storm in your workplace. Maybe there's a storm in your relationships. Maybe there's just some storms. And I need to explain to you, sometimes you can be in the perfect, pleasing, acceptable will of God and a storm is still coming your way. There are storms that redirect you like Jonah. There are storms that come against you like when Jesus is in your boat and he says to the disciples, hey, you've got authority over this principality and power that's moving by winds and waves because we're about to go into a region and unlock it. Those storms of opposition are storms of growth. Storms of opposition are always storms of growth. It depends what you're listening to in the middle of the storm and who you're going to get into your boat. Then there's a storm that has nothing to do with you and you've said it a million times, hey, we shouldn't go this way, we shouldn't go that way, like Paul did when they were shipwrecked. It doesn't matter how the storm comes in your life. If it's a redirection storm, here's my tip. Listen to God and obey him. Because he's bringing you back into alignment because he loves you and you're off track to what he wants to bring you into. Does anyone want to fulfill their prophetic destiny through the power of the gospel? Yeah. And so when, 
when Jesus is, is on the mountain, he's praying. And he's, he's, he's praying for those who are in the boat. But now they're in a storm that has created fear. And what they're doing is what most of us do. I'm going to use this text as a metaphor, a picture story. Because sometimes in the middle of the storm, we try and beat the storm in our natural strength. And they're straining at the oars. And that's where the church has been this last season. It's straining at the oars. Don't worry. We'll get to the other side. We'll get to Bethsaida. We'll get there in our own strength. Bethsaida is an interesting word. It's the house of hunting or fishing. Metaphorically, it's the house of increase. God wants to take you from one side of the lake to the other but for your increase, but you're going to have a storm. If, if you believe that Christianity is all smooth sailing, you're reading the different Bible than I am. And that's not my life experience. So I've learned this, that every time, every time there is a storm in my life, God is doing something special for my growth and my development. That's not often how we see it though, is it? Because the first response in the storm is fear. And what it flushes up is the foundation in our heart that is based on lack, not fullness. On loss, not fullness. Fear, loss and lack are the three foundational spiritual atmospheres that fill your heart when you live by the flesh in the world. They all challenge the present word of God as a faith reality towards empowerment. And God has to allow you to get into a place of testing and pruning for your developmental growth. And the only way we can get there sometimes is if we have a few storms. He's not the author of the storm unless it's a redirection, but he'll use the storm to your advantage. Am I in the right place? Okay. So let me show you this from Scripture so that I'm, I'm, I'm actually got some validity here. Psalm 105. But he already sent a man ahead of his people to Egypt. It was Joseph who was sold as a slave. His feet were bruised by strong shackles and his soul was held by iron. God's promise to Joseph purged his character. What? I thought that I came to Jesus... And he loves me and it's all going to be really good. It is going to be good, except the definition of God's good and your good have got to learn how to coalesce. God's good is that you will be conformed to the likeness of Christ. It's not good to your flesh, but it's good to your destiny. Your prophetic destiny, every prophecy, every personal prophecy has as a moral imperative that you be conformed to the likeness of Christ. So there's this ongoing predestination that's outworking itself in you as you carry the perfect, pleasing, acceptable will into reality. God's growing you every moment of every day and everything the Holy Spirit is doing in you is working you towards that end. It's a partnership of you being yielded and God being powerful. 
You can't get there straining at the oars. You can't get to the destination God wants to bring you by yourself. And so you see there's this purging. God's promise to Joseph purged his character until it was time for his dreams to come true. Was God saying, this is not about your dreams not coming true? No, my perfect will was sent to you in a dream and a vision and I will fulfill it. But you've got to be ready to have the character to hold the anointing and the authority I'm giving you. Is this too deep? I just got to keep my eye on the time because I can talk. Normally I have all day to develop an argument, but now I've got less than that. Are you, are you, is, any, is anything going on inside of you that God is now starting to tweak the bigness of that prophetic destiny that's in you? The bigness of what God wants to do in the smallness of what's going on in the world. Limitation, according to Joseph, became the place of development so that he could find the time of release. What are you doing with this season that looks like it's a storm against you, but actually God's forming something in you? <laughs> I don't like masks. I was a copper for years. If you wore a mask into a service station, I'd arrest you. You weren't there to buy petrol. You're there to do a stick-up. We all, in the courts, we walk around with masks, we laugh. We're all doing face identity and earlobe identity to find out who we are. The point is, you will have adversity in your life. The question is not the adversity. The question is where do you find the present word of God in the adversity that becomes your provision, becomes your fresh anointing and becomes your empowerment into a situation that you thought was against you but God was using for you. See, that's Psalm 23. I was going to end on that but I jump around a bit. So, See, Psalm 23 says that we, like, we have a mountaintop experience. We have the refreshing of the Lord. We need the refreshing of the Lord. That's powerful. He lays me down in green pastures. Anyone read Psalm 23? All right. It, it, it's actually not a funeral verse. Just... <laughs> but there's a careful, careful transition in Psalm 23 from mountain place to valley. See, that's, they're the cycles of how you move with God. You move from mountain place to valley. And what you establish in the mountain place, in the hidden place, empowers you for a knowledge of what's going on in the valley. Because it's the Holy Spirit that will lead you back into the valley because that's where your growth happens. You get refreshing on the mountain, but you get your growth in the valley. And that is where the Lord prepares a table for you, a table of his provision at a time you can't get when you're on the mountaintop. You can only get it in the valley. And there's a fresh anointing, which is an empowerment into the time where the enemy's coming against you. When everything's coming against you, there is a table of provision that only God can give you and there is an anointing that you can't get when you're on the mountaintop. 
See, the charismatic church has loved splashing around in, in, the, in the shallow end of the pool to have an experience. I'm telling you that experience has to become internal so that when you're in the valley, that experience keeps you into an empowerment. And then by the present word of God, you feel able, like Peter, to separate yourself from the voices of negativity and step into the reality of faith. See, Jesus was on the mountaintop and he was praying for the disciples. And as I said earlier, there they were in the storm, straining at the oars. Now, I've learned in my life, if I'm straining at the oars, I'm not in the will of God. I'm in the flesh. I'm trying to get there in my own strength. So there's something God's trying to show me in the storm that's about my ability giving way to his present grace. Paul, the great apostle, had to learn this. Paul was a zealot. Anyone know the story of Paul the apostle? Absolute zealot. He was the one there at the very beginning opposing what God was doing, thinking he was giving God a hand. You can be right and seriously wrong all in the same breath. Then he had to have an encounter. He had to go to Straight Street to get straightened out. He had it all upside down. Then he was able to write from a place of revelation. And then he celebrated in something we don't like to celebrate in the modern Western church. It's called his weakness. This last season where the storm came at me, I had to learn weakness was my greatest strength. My personal weakness, my personal inability to control any situations had to become my greatest strength in him. You see, in the storm, you, you, you have lots of voices you want to listen to and lots of options of what you want to do. But I've learned there's only one option. It's the surest option. It's the safest option. And that is to tune your ear in to him. What are you saying, Lord? What are you saying? And Paul learnt, Paul the Apostle learnt the power of weakness to give glory to God and to magnify his grace, his empowerment. In every life situation that you're in, no matter what the storm is, there is a present reality of God working in you to empower you to come into a truth. And the first thing God has to do is work in your heart, not your relationship or your circumstance. See, we love to control everything. We want certainty. We love certainty. We like everything ordered, starting with G. We love alliteration. We love systems. And they're helpful to the point they become your hindrance. You see, when, when, when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus about those who are born from above, he doesn't talk about systems. 
He talks about a relationship. He talks about the wind blowing wherever it blows. And so are those who are born of the Spirit. What's he saying? No religious structure will contain the Holy Spirit. Neither should you. The potential inside of you in the storm is God himself dwelling in you. God himself dwelling in you. You are the meeting place between heaven and earth. You are the holy of holies. You are the tent of meeting. Inside of you, you interface between the unseen spiritual realm and the natural realm. And we've been taught how to respond to the natural realm, not the unseen realm and the manifestation of the Spirit speaking the present word of God to us. And we're tuned to respond to that first instead of Christ in me first. And so when you come into a storm, we've got to be a little bit like Peter. Jesus comes down from the mountain and he starts to walk on the water. This has a lot of prophetic revelatory language to it that I can't go into this morning. But let me just say this. This is a metaphor, a picture story of a truth that we need to understand. Jesus is never subject to the storms of the world. Are you there? Psalm 2 says that when the kings of the world scheme and plan, God sits in the heavens and laughs his head off. He's laughing his head off because everything under a fallen system is inferior to a superior system called the kingdom of heaven. And that kingdom realm dwells within you. Right now, today, right this moment, the fullness of the Godhead, Colossians, is in you. The Trinity is in you. You are the tent of meeting in the glory of God and you can have face-to-face -face conversations like Moses did. That is how superior this covenant is. There were shadows and types in the Old Testament that pointed to the greater reality we now have in Jesus. In Matthew 11, 11. Who's been seeing 11, 11? Yeah. In Matthew 11, 11, Jesus says something profound. He says of John the Baptist, those born of women, an old order, be no one greater than John the Baptist. What about Elijah? What about King David? No one greater than this man of the old order, of the old fallen order. But those who are born again, those who are of the kingdom, those who have entered into the kingdom are greater. Hang on. 
So we look at the Old Testament, we even look at what Peter's doing in the gospel. He's not yet been breathed upon by Jesus. He only did that to the disciples after he was in resurrection power. And he breathed on them. He opened their mind to the kingdom realm. How much more amazing things do we see because their minds were open to the kingdom realm and the anointing they carried in the New Testament than when they were still learning with Jesus in the old. Are you there? Now here's the point. The apostles had an anointing for a purpose and so do we. You are filled with Jesus to empower you to hear the voice of God in the middle of the storm. So Peter takes bold faith. Can you imagine being in the boat? The wind is howling. The seas are up. You're a little bit anxious. Anyone been anxious a little while? Anyone been anxious in a set of circumstances? You're allowed to put your hand up because that will really encourage me. And then what happens is Peter makes this decision. Hang on a second. I've been with Jesus. This vision of Jesus is new to me. I've never seen him quite this way before. I want to offer a thought to you. Every storm offers Jesus in the way just the way you need him. He is your all-sufficiency. You need a healer, he'll be your healer. Look at all the names of God. Look at all the names of God. They point to the attributes of God, Yahweh. And Jesus is part of Yahweh who's come in his humanity to reveal the unseen God. Do you know what spirit you've been born of? That same spirit. You see, Jesus is the name above all other names. So we've got all the names of God, and then we sum it up in one name. Jesus the Anointed. It's not his last name. The Christ, the Anointed. Jesus the Anointed of God. That's who you are. Peter didn't have that benefit. And yet he had great faith on the present word of God. How much more, friends, should we be listening to the word of God and taking those courageous steps to get out of the boat? Brooke said it well. I love the news, but I can't listen to the news. The news doesn't define my world. I'm aware of it. I know there's troubles. I I practice in an area where there's troubles. I give advice where there's troubles. But the trouble is never my solution. The present word of God in the trouble is my solution. When, when I went on a sabbatical after 15 years, I, I thought I was going to write two books. That's what you do on the sabbatical, right? Or oh, that's what Chad told me you do. <laughs> I was going to write two books. One's on the book of destiny. The other one was the spirit of sonship. I never wrote them because I got in a storm. I got in a massive storm. Everything I knew got shaken. Everything I knew. 
including the church that I laboured with, everything was shaking. And in the middle of the storm, the Holy Spirit gave me a dream. I mean, you've got to be careful with dreams, FYI. All right? Because you can have dreams that are bogus. You can have dreams that are genuine. God uses all dreams, but you need to know how to properly interpret a dream. So I had a good mate of mine, Adam Thompson. Maybe you've heard of him or not, written the Divinity Code. So I submitted the dream to Adam because I didn't want any of my flesh interpreting what, God, what I thought God was saying to me. Now, I had a pretty clear idea what that was. But it meant me moving on from where I was at, which seemed really uncomfortable to me. You know, you've laboured for so long in a place. You know all the people. You're going, well, I'm getting a bit older. I've got grandchildren and it's time to settle down a little bit, isn't it, Lord? Nope, it's time to get going. Now you've learned a few things. Now I want you to go and start again. What? I had to get out of the boat and it was really 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 uncomfortable so much was swirling around my life i could have listened to all those voices so i had adam come and publicly interpret the dream and when he publicly interpreted the dream everyone was shaking their head oh that can't be right that can't be right that can't be right you know what they were doing they were interpreting the present word of god and the invitation God was giving me from the current circumstances that were swirling around us. So I laid hold of that word and said, God, if this is you, then there'll be a grace, an ability, and an empowerment to fulfill what you've said. So I got out of the boat. See, Peter got out of the boat and separated himself from the noise that wasn't helpful. To respond to the present word of God. Jesus, if it's you, call to me. Do you know how bold and courageous that is? Jesus, if this is you, call me out of where I'm comfortable, even in my fear. And the voices I know, to your voice to take me into my future. And Peter responded. He got out of that boat. And as long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus... And the author of the word, he could walk on water. In other words, it's a metaphor that he could move in the government of peace above the turmoil. But the moment that he reminded himself of the wind and the waves and just how fearful the circumstance was, what happened? He sunk. Let me ask you, what is the strategy of dark powers in this hour to the church and to the world? To get it to be sinking. To get it to back off. To get it to go under the system of the world. But you're not bound by the system of the world. You're bound by a greater reality, which is the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus comes and he bails him out and they get in the boat. One act of faith can change the whole geography of a region. One action of daring to hear the present word of God can unlock the destiny of everyone around you.
And then Jesus does something that did my head in. took me a year to work this out. Jesus rebukes Peter. Now, I've led a church for 15 years. Rebuke everyone that's in fear, right? That's what you do, isn't it, Chad? You rebuke everyone that's in fear. Well, at least he got out of the boat. Not like you guys sitting there whining and crying. And Oh, no, of course you don't say that as a pastor. Sorry. I withdraw all of that. You think that, but you never say it. And we just smile and wave. No, no, I'm... I can't put that on chat. But you would think that, right? Because that's how God works, right? He rebukes those who are doing nothing. He didn't say a word to those who were in fear. The only word he had was for Peter. And he's the one that got out of the boat. And he rebuked him about not holding to his faith in the middle of the storm. I go, oh, that's too much to bear. You see, he was pruning him for increase. He was pruning him for increase. Peter, don't you know, when you hold to me and you hold firm to me, you'll never sink. You'll never go down. I've got to teach you. It's not just faith for a moment. It's faith as a lifestyle. It's faith for every step, for every step. And the wind's going to come up and the waves are going to come up. But it's the next step because my eyes are fixed on Jesus. And I'm anointed to be above the fray, not under the fray. I'm the anointed of God. Come on, Peter. I'm going to give you an anointing. I'm going to call you to something so great. This will look like nothing to you. Are you ready for your future, Peter? If I don't prune you now, you won't grow to produce what you need to produce to carry the anointing. Because when you walk in the street, my presence will heal people. See, sometimes the most loving thing God can do to you is prune you and test you and shape you because you've become comfortable and fearful in the place you're in. And when Jesus got in the boat, he immediately took them to the other side. See, there's a real difference what you focus on. And there's a real difference of who's in your boat. Are your friends in the boat more important than having Jesus in your boat. You see, right now many people have to make a lot of difficult decisions. A lot of difficult decisions. How you govern them is really, really important, not just for today, but for your prophetic destiny. And many of you, perhaps, have taken one view or another. There's a conversation going around that you've joined yourself to. Here's my encouragement to you this morning. What's Jesus saying to you? Find that place, find that time where you can step into him. Why? Because God, according to Romans 828, picking up, I suspect, what has been written in the Psalms, works everything together for good. For good. But you don't know my circumstances. For good. You don't know my circumstances. I can tell you, he works everything for good. It might look like a mess right at the moment, but he's working everything together for good.
It might look daunting at the moment, but he is working everything together for your good. For those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Are you called? Are you chosen? Are you dearly loved? You can't outlove God. You can't outlove him. You can try. It's always a good attempt. But you can't outlove him. That word love, I need to explain to you and I'm going to close. Because this is really important in this hour. The world talks about love from a fallen paradigm where self is at the centre. Am I talking to anybody? God's love is this Hebrew word called hesed or kesed. It's loving action. It's this loving kindness. It's patience. It's forgiveness. It's long-suffering. It's all of those qualities. But here's what it also is. It's his truth and his justice. It's his truth and it's his justice. It's all part of the idea of love because love is a person, not a concept. Love, God's love, is greater than your present emotion. And when you know that love, when you build into the union with God in that love, then what happens in the storm is you see the opportunity for God to express that love to you in ways you've never seen before. You've never experienced before. Why am I saying all of this? Because as I sat there this morning, God touched my heart with your prophetic destiny. God touched my heart with your potential that the enemy is trying to limit and still. And God is speaking to you so loudly and so clearly. I'm greater than the storm. I'm bigger than the storm. I'm more powerful than the storm. And this is the hour to come to me in the storm in a way you've never experienced before. It's time to get out of the boat of the world and to the present word of God. Amen? All right. I so didn't stick to my notes. I'm sorry about that. You did all that preparation up there. Am I, is this gelling with anyone this morning? Like, adversity is your greatest opportunity for increase. I'll say that again. Because what I sense right now, some of you are going through some stuff, whether it's sickness, whether it's relational, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your family, whether it's your workplace, adversity is your greatest opportunity for increase. Don't look to somebody else to be the solution. 
to the present solution in Christ that's at hand. Look after what you are doing in your heart and then you'll be equipped to deal with what's going on around you. Amen? It always starts here. And, and what I've taught for 15 years is this. I need to be free, self-governing and responsible, empowered by the full acceptance of God's grace and the complete empowerment of his internal presence in me. That means there is nothing in the world that's trying to trade or that's in me that cannot come down so that Christ may be established. I'm going to give you a moment this morning because I'm pretty confident we hit on some few things. Wave your hand if I hit on anything that may be relevant to you this morning. Okay, a good guess. It always happens, like I prepare, like I'm a good lawyer. And he goes, yeah, nah, leave that at home. I'll, I'll, just stay with me, I'll teach you. See, what I want to do now is give you an opportunity to respond to something. This is what I've learned over many, many years. You can hear a word and you can leave that door after your coffee and your chat and that word can get stolen. You can hear the word and respond to the word. And when you respond to the word, that's when the word is built in you. See, I can hear it, but I need to have ears that hear, eyes that see, and a heart that understands. The veil has been lifted off for you to do that through the new covenant. Because God wants you to be the living word of God. He wants you to be giving expression to the revelation you've just heard. Amen? So if the worship team can come up, that would be wonderful. Chat, thank you. And we're going to do something. Who feels like they're being pruned at the moment? Increases on the way. God always prunes for growth, He tests for increase. He disciplines because he loves you, because you're off track. Who feels in this season, this is a thorny issue, you might not want to put your hand up, who feels they might be getting disciplined in this season? Okay, thank you for that courage, Peter. (laughs) Here's the reality of, of, of that, if I can just help you. When you're in a place of discipline, The key bit is to go to the Lord, yield your heart to him and say, Lord, where have I been off track? You see, you know you're off track even when you're in a storm, when you lose the government of his peace in you. Am I making sense this morning? In every situation in life, I'm meant to be carrying, we're meant to be carrying the government of his peace because he's dwelling in us. He hasn't gone anywhere. We're the ones that have gone somewhere. We've disconnected to that reality because of what we're focusing on. Who wants to leave here today changed from the way you came in? That's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to activate you. I'm going to activate you.
And how does activation take place? First of all, while well, I've been speaking, hopefully, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. I sort of serve this smorgasbord, but you don't have to eat the whole table. You only eat the bit that God is showing you that will nourish you and that you need right now, today, for the week ahead. You all know the story that God provided fresh manna every day. He still does it. Fresh manna every day that you may be nourished and strengthened in Him in all of the circumstances of life. We're going to go back into a song. And I'm going to pray for you first. And if you feel, not for me, but for you, that you have to make a shift of your posture, that you have to get out of your boat, that can be represented by you getting out of your seat. You can kneel in front, you can kneel to the side, you can do whatever you want. But if you feel that there's a revelation and a word God's speaking to you about and you want to respond to, allow yourself to take a shift in position as an action of faith and then worship the Lord and watch His grace, His empowering presence empower you, dismantle what needs to be dismantled, establish what needs to be established and change you, transform you so that the way you leave is different than the way you came in. Amen. Father, I just thank you for the wonderful opportunity to come here today. I just thank you, Father, that that you've done all of this. That, Lord, if I've said anything that doesn't come from your heart, let it fall to the ground, let it become nothing. But, Lord, if what I've said is truly a present word for one of these beautiful people, Lord, I just pray that you would establish it in their heart like a seed that you will water by the power of the Holy Spirit. That, Lord, that you will bring every single person, whether at home or in this auditorium, into their prophetic destiny, your perfect, pleasing will, that which has been written on the scroll, and that they will be overcomers in this hour, that fear will not have its hold, but faith will be paramount. And Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing to fall upon them, a fresh provision to be made available to them, all of it because of your promises established in Jesus Christ. Father, equip them, empower them, and let them be light into the darkness. Let them be your empowered people into this region and beyond that you may fulfill everything you've planned for them and for those that will come in contact with their life. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au and of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.